in Podcast Detroit, recording live. Prepare yourself for a hoppy drive. If you're chilling at home, pop that crowler and just kick back for the next two hours. It's the end of the week, so here's to the weekend. It's Better on Draft with Rob, Matt, Nick, and Ken. All right, we are here, the beginning of episode 198 Better on Draft Podcast. My name is Ken. We are live at Eastern Market Brewing. It is Beer Fest Day in Detroit 2019. With me, starting off the early morning, probably the furthest away brewery of this early morning, Barrel and Beam. How are you guys doing today? Awesome. Doing great. So why don't Thanks we, uh, uh, it's my pleasure. Uh, we'll start with you. Why don't you introduce yourself and tell you, uh, us what you do with the uh, brewery? Okay. I'm, I'm Nick Vancourt. Uh, my, re- my wife, Marina Dupler, and I, we own uh, Barrel and Beam. Um, I guess I'm also the head brewer, uh, uh, half of the sales team uh, with Joe here, and uh, also, you know, I kind of do the, the the administrative stuff, you know, the accounting and taxes and uh, <coughs> um, payroll and, uh, you know, scheduling the tasting room and all that random stuff that isn't making beer, but definitely got into this, uh, you know, from a path of being a brewer. Um, and wanting to, you know, really get out and make a specific niche product in a specific way, really. And that's kind of what got us uh, to Barrel and Beam. Well, we'll come back to that in a second. And your name? Joe. Uh, I met Nick uh, about seven years ago at the uh, Ordock Brewing Company. Um, started out as a bartender there. Was a carpenter by trade. And, uh, you know, one day... Nick asked me to come back and start building boxes, and uh, the, my trip to the Barrel and Beam started that day, and I uh, don't do carpentry anymore, but I well, love that's not making really beer. True. Well, you yeah. do plenty at the brewery, <laughs> right, <true. laughs> but not as a professional. Yeah. And Barrel and Beam has been open for how long? Since uh, January of 18, so um, a year and I guess like eight months nine, nine months, months. Yeah. okay so you guys must have just opened when you sent us the beer last year yeah probably yep because uh we remember we we brought it onto the show we loved the yeah. the, the shipping container yeah yeah, yeah. Um, very very good as i was telling you prior to the show all the stuff inside of it yeah. was all over my apartment mm-hmm. i mean <laughs> i blame you guys but it's really my cat's fault because oh, right. she got into it yeah. and then started playing with it um, and just like, you know, she would take a little bit out and then it'd be all over the place yeah, by the time yeah. it was over. Um, so with Barrel and Beam, we actually have some beers. So let's crack yeah. open uh, this gonna, beer right here. I'm going to start here. Why don't you tell us what this uh, beer is? Mm-hmm. And, I'm going to uh, start, you know, I brought four. Oh, you brought of, four. <laughs> okay. Sort of random uh, beers in. Um, and I'm going to start here with the Golden Partage. This is like, I like to say this is my kind of everyday drinker beer um, of our mainstays. You know, it's a barrel-aged brat beer. It's not a sour beer, per se. Um, it's really a Michigan-sourced, you know, strong saison that we barrel-age with brat rocks. We're going to have you get a little closer to the mic. Oh, okay, yeah, sorry about that. That's okay. I'm looking down at making sure I don't spill beer all over this That's fine. Table. I mean, there the, we go. the cables are shielded, which is good. Just don't pour it on the microphone. So, so yeah, this is what we have here is Golden Partage, Michigan sourced, uh, you know, strong saison, sort of golden strong ale, sort of barrel age with uh, Britannomyces bruxellensis, which is a, a yeast that is near and dear to my heart as it is the yeast in Orval that gives that awesome leathery stone, uh, cherry stone kind of, you know, deliciousness. So, and what is this uh, ABV clock in at? Seven and a half, about Jesus. Yeah. Seven, <laughs> six. Um, 
Well, and we're as starting. you, as you give heard you a him bus. earlier, he said the daily drinker. Yeah, this I mean, is, well, this I mean, this is, is this is what we always refer to as crushable. This, is, honestly, this is a lawnmower beer. Yeah, this, right. this is a beer that you can sip on. Yep. I feel like on a hot day. Yeah. Um, you know, I I never really equated seasons to beer yeah. for the style, except for this is when that style came out. Yeah. But when I I've been now, my friend Dan. Um, who is one of the old hosts of the show? This dude can crush barrel aged beers and 105 degree heat in Man. Phoenix, Arizona, yeah, yeah. <laughs> and he loves it because nobody buys barrel aged beers in Phoenix, Arizona. So yeah. he, he walked me into the local store, and I'm talking like the local corner store that has, you know, every they'll, they'll get like one or two bottles of each, yeah. and it, those two bottles are still there from 2015, wow. 16. Yeah, um, I, I got a four year uh, KBS vert just from that store. Wow. Uh, and, I mean, there, there is a little bit of price added to each year, which yep. is fair. Yep. Um, but not like here where you're tacking on like 5 to $10 yeah. per year yeah. for right. some of these bottles and some right. of these trades. Right. Now, you guys are not going to be at the festival this year yeah. uh, for the Fall Beer Fest. Um, but are you guys going to be at the Winter Beer Fest in Grand Rapids? Absolutely. It is our goal to be at every Michigan Brewers Guild Beer Festival, and the only reason we're not going to be – uh, today and tomorrow at Eastern Market is because August was when we had to register for it, and August for us was absolutely bonkers with traveling, and I just missed the deadline, and then uh, was very sadly rejected in my attempt <coughs> to get uh, in after the fact. Uh, but that's fair enough, and you know, ultimately it ain't so bad because today we're just going to the festival to be able to actually visit all those breweries that we always want to, but. I feel like I get kind of sucked into my, my booth at festivals because it's just like, and it's a great thing, don't get me wrong, but you're just seeing all these people you know coming up, coming up. How do you walk away from that? People you, coming to try your beer, yeah. and I never make it. So today is a day where we get to actually try somebody else's beer. <laughs> well, that that's the thing is when you're at these festivals, not only are you talking, but your beer is talking. Right. And you want to listen to what your beer is saying and what people are saying about your beer. Absolutely. Because you, this is, as for all intents and purposes, because you guys aren't making money on this festival right. when you show up. This is market research, getting Absolutely. your name out, as well as... Uh, marketing, like you guys yep. are, you're you're here to promote your business, not to sell kegs. And I think a lot of people, you know, when I I sadly go on Facebook and all these boards and stuff, yep. um, it's part of the job when you have to be marketing yeah. and you yep. have to be on Facebook. It's a necessary oh, yeah. evil. Um, you know, people talking about the prices of this festival. And one, we're kind of on the lower pricing of the festivals. If you go to any other festival, like Taste of the Midwest, yep. GABF. Yep. Um, even Fobab, I think, is more expensive. Oh, yeah. Yep. And, well, I think Fobab has a lot more high, high quality, not quality, yes. higher gravity, higher yeah. ABV beers. More expensive beers. Exactly. Yeah. But you still get those expensive beers here. You know, yeah, you're, you're looking, I think, Griffin Claw's bringing four of their Flying Buffaloes. Yeah. Um, yep. I'm guessing from last year. I don't know if it's 2019s because I know they're releasing it on the second because we're actually going to be there on the first yeah uh, we're excited to meet the uh the owner um that's episode 199 uh, we're hoping to get ian in too i don't know yeah. if you guys are familiar with ian from uh, sellerman's who is now yeah. the cider master yeah. over at griffin Claw. i just heard that actually yesterday somebody said that yeah that the, the sellerman's closing broke my heart that yeah. was they they kind of opened right when we started to yeah. and to see that full turn and i'm yeah. like you know it's it's, I'm glad because Andy's working over at Urban Rest. I think Dom's um, doing a lot of stuff with uh, just what he was doing prior to okay. Connector. 
Um, I think he just had a kid too, so okay. you know, hard yeah. to hard oh, to really yeah. search for a job and be a father, and you know, trying to oh, trying man. to do everything. Yeah. Um, now you you talked about Barrel and Beam being yeah. a niche brewery. Yes. What does that mean? Like we know what niche means, but yeah. why are you niche? We you know <clears throat> we, I guess I'll I'll preface it by saying that all of our our beers at some point in their life um, are fermented with a. Uh, very very aggressive saison uh, strain from France. Um, this is uh, what we call diastaticus strain. So one reason why um, can you spell that this beer had? Uh, yeah, if I get a dictionary out and read it. <laughs> um, no, um, one reason why this beer, like you say, is crushable be- despite being seven and a half percent ABV is the fact that um, that diastaticus strain means you can start with a lower gravity beer to get that alcohol content. Now. That doesn't really describe our niche. I just preface it because what with that because what it means is our beers are all very very dry, whether they've been barrel aged or not. Our house strain um, is really the what's responsible for drying the beer out. So um, our really our niche, though, I guess I would say is farmhouse ale and sort of the the um, <clears throat> Belgian sort of method, Belgian inspired wild ales uh, in barrels. So we have been literally running around the brewery the last uh, month or two and for the next couple of months trying to get barrels filled because um, this is a long game. You know, it takes eight months to a year for a lot of these beers. They don't all have to be in the barrel that long, but um, really to make a fully developed, complex, uh, multi-organism you know, organism culture fermented beer in a barrel, it takes time. So um, so really we're, we're right now still sort of suffering, uh, and you can tell by how I look and feel today that I'm suffering terribly, but we're still sort of uh, suffering from the fact that we just plain didn't make enough barrel-aged sour beer for the year. And, you know, you can't just hurry up and fix that problem in August um, for September because you're fixing it in August for next September. So right now um, we're making sure we have a lot of fruit to harvest from barrels this summer because there's nothing worse than being on a roll and then going oh now i stubbed my toe and it's because i didn't i didn't prepare properly so so right now we're like yeah if we really want to start to get more beer out there get more exposure in the in the state and other places um we really just need to have more beer ready to work with this spring so um you know all of our beers uh like i said are bone dry uh, from our yeast, not all of them are barrel aged, but a lot of them are, and uh, we also focus really, really heavily on Michigan sourced, you know, ingredients. Um, this beer we're trying right now, Golden Partage, actually it looks like I'm the only one still trying it because I've been doing too much talking. Um, you know, this is a 100% Michigan sourced beer. We get the malt from it's grown in uh, Cooks, Michigan, which is uh, in the Garden Peninsula, malted uh, in Gwyn, Michigan. Uh, the hops come from. Um, Williamsburg, just east of Traverse City, my local hops, uh, UP Malt Company Malt. Um, we make several other products that are 100% Michigan, um, and we make a lot of products that have a little Michigan in them here and there. We've got uh, examples of both of that coming up here, too, and um, if you want, I can move on, pour another beer. Yeah, well, one thing uh, I wanted to mention, just because, uh, you know, within 
how important it is the yeast of your yeah, beer because yep. the yeast is probably the thing that screams the most out of your beer. Yes. Uh, you mentioned a, a French yeast. Yep. Can, do they call? Did you cultivate the yeast uh, into Michigan? We did or? not actually. So our house strain. Um, you know, a lot of the barrel aged beers could have uh, a lot of different organisms in them, but our house strain actually comes from. Uh, it's uh, um, often referred to. Uh, as 3711, depending on what uh, lab you're going with. Um, S29, we happen to have it from Omega uh, Yeast Lab usually, um, and that's uh, sourced from uh, Brasserie Therese in Askelbeck. Uh, labs carry it. Uh, we get a pitchable quantity for a batch, and then we run with it. Um, when we're talking about our multi-organism strains, we get smaller amounts and we propagate them for the for the batch we're making. Um, and we started to do that for consistency and speed. You know, if you if you give that culture a head start, um, you get a much more predictable result. And we also, you know, we can have sour beer in six months versus eight, ten months in most cases. Some beers need more time for other reasons, but um, so yeah, we we source all of our stuff. Uh, commercially, but we propagate the funky stuff in house. Uh, one thing, well, as as we're going to crack open the next yeah. beer, um, one thing I do want to ask because we, I, I talked to the owners of Twin O's, so they used yeah. to actually run a show called the uh, Brew Review Crew out of Toledo. Uh, okay, um, they were both teachers, and one of them opened up a brewery um, with a production facility. Like he went all out, and he's in Port Clinton which Port Clinton, Ohio, is a very uh, tourist city. Okay. Um, my question to you guys is that you've gone through, you know, um, a summer, a winter, and yeah. a summer. How was your guys' winter? Are you guys um, really summer-heavy, you know, summer, spring, summer, fall-heavy, and then just kind of um, make your way through the winter to keep, you know, the lights on and then come back, or do you guys yeah, close? You know, so at home, yes. Uh, seasons are huge in Marquette. I mean, we have such a massive summer tourist season, basically 4th of July to the uh, Fall Beer Festival in Marquette, um, UP Fall Beer Fest- Festival in uh, Madison Lower Harbor Park in Marquette, uh, the Saturday after uh, label- Labor Day. Um, basically, that's our window, 4th of July to the Beer Fest. So about uh, two and a half good yeah, months. Yep. And, you know, it kind of tapers up to that a little and tapers down from that. Now, at home, we've concentrated, I should say we are concentrating on um, private events to, f- to get people in. Um, you know, every brewery knows, you know, the more people that enjoy your product at your place, the better for a lot of reasons. Number one um, is, you know, you get the full experience. Uh, so we really want to make sure that we have a lot of hours in the summer for people to come in and have the full experience. The other thing is, you know, we make a better margin and we have uh, a lot of travel and expense in our distribution being self-distributing um, and driving all over the state. So we need to have a balance of selling some beer at home. Now in the winter time, we're dropping our open hours to just Friday, Saturday, Sunday to the public, but we at least two nights a week, uh, sometimes more, we book some sort of private event, holiday parties, um, this time of year, we have we've had a wedding every Saturday for the so past good. six weeks, and we have one more this Saturday. We had a couple over the summer on on uh, off days, not on Saturdays, because in the summer we're like, well, we're not going to close on a Saturday because that's when everybody's going to come here. Um, so yeah, we do have to do that at home. But luckily for us, um, with distribution, you know, places like Detroit and uh, Grand Rapids where we sell quite a bit of beer, 
uh, Lansing, um, you know, Traverse City even uh, to some extent um, are a lot less seasonal and the winter can actually be better. So we try to level off our year by uh, making sure that there's a customer every month regardless of, of what's happening in Marquette. So. Now, um, what what is this beer that we're trying? So this beer that we're, we're, we're almost done about drinking. This, beer. Um, <laughs> this is uh, sati. Um, so what it really is is basically this is uh, another 100% Michigan source beer. Um, it's got uh, barley malt, rye malt, um, and uh, juniper uh, in it. Um, the juniper we sort of use the sort of the sati method, if you will, and that's how it gets its name. Even though it's not really quite like a lot of finished satis in that it's not you know bread yeast and nine uh, percent to ten percent ABV and all that we try to make this sessionable but get those flavors in there so basically we we filled our lauder ton um, under the screens with juniper boughs and laudered through it so we've made this beer a couple times now the first batch um, was a good beer but we didn't hit that level of juniper and then we also didn't have the rye in there and these two little tweaks of a better use of the juniper and adding rye to this beer have brought this complex aroma that you can't tell where the juniper, the rye, and our yeast all come and go. They blend together so well, and uh, so we're really pumped about this beer. And it's just like when when we make it, the brewery smells so good. You just want to capture it in a jar and open it up, you know, uh, six weeks later and remember it, you know. Well, those are one of the things why I love, like, open brewing processes like we have over at Eastern Market yeah. right here is that you can get that brewery smell oh, man. because it's, you know, the, the smell of the hops, the grain, the malt, just like it's always a little bit different yep. depending on the day. Absolutely. And it's it never gets old. Well, I mean, as a fan, I don't know. Yeah. But if, if you live in it, you might. Old. It doesn't it's get old. It's actually better. generally the bright point of any brew day is when uh, – you know when you're doughing in, oh, um, and then later so in the day when delicious. you hit when you're hitting the kettle with hops. I mean, these are smells that like I don't care what I'm doing or where I'm at. I could smell a brewery out from a mile away. <laughs> you catch that whiff on the wind, and you just follow it. And there's a brewery. It's a smell that can't be duplicated. You know. So you guys are on the outskirts of Marquette. Yeah. Um, not technically inside, yeah. so you don't have the benefit of necessarily people doing like a walking tour right. over right. with the Ordock. Right. Um, as we well say as we don't get stumbling traffic. Yeah, you don't get you don't yeah. get that stumbling traffic. Yeah. As well as on the other side of you, you've got Jasper and yep. Cognition. Yep. Um, do you see a lot of people like like is beer tourism huge um, yeah. since the craft beer boom? Oh, yeah. It's getting in Marquette. It, it is getting big. You yeah. know. It's um, either that people are go- coming from Ishwing and yeah. Houghton and yep. whatnot through Marquette to go to the east side, or they're uh, they just were at Black Rocks or Ordock downtown, and they're heading uh, west. Do you get a lot of people that like will just drive by, see it, and like just stop and turn in just because we that's because I, I would assume you'll yep. get a lot of that during the week, like midweek. Yep. People will show up trying to see if you're open or anything like that. Yeah, um, you know, and all summer we were during the week, and, and it was you know good. We, it's kind of it's weird, you know. Our, our location is a blessing and a curse, to use a stupid phrase, but you know, it's like it's a blessing in that we are in um, a building that uh, you know started in the 30s and built to this huge supper club. Everybody from Marquette knows that it. it was the Northwoods Supper Club. Um, you'll see that word Northwoods, which of course applies to where we are on the planet, um, not just uh, 
the building we're in, but, you know, we like to get that word out there and keep that kind of alive because, you know, for 75 years, um, the Northwood Supper Club was the place in Marquette, and people thought that the clums, when they built it in the 30s, way out there, um, which was really far from town at that point, were kind of crazy, but, um, you know, people were wrong. The clums weren't crazy. The clums were extremely smart. They had a farm-to-table restaurant you know, in 1935, uh, on what was then Highway 41, you know, they grew this place. There is, um, Marina has a lot better stats in her head than I do about it, but there was a day where more than 700 people sat down uh, for a meal in that building um, in one day. So, you know, we have that history, which we knew we needed. Uh, we wanted to be off the beaten path and out of town because I've worked for a lot of breweries now in town and realized that if you want to do a lot of shipping and receiving, and you want to be able to, you know, spread your wings a little bit and do some different things around your property. Um, it's really hard downtown, and we knew we wanted these kind of things. We wanted big outdoor beer gardens. We wanted outdoors. We wanted trees behind you, not buildings. And I love buildings, and I've spent a lot of years living in the city, but um, it's just we knew for our farmhouse ale brewery we needed to be off the beaten path and in the woods. And uh, we don't get that stumble in traffic, but it's so funny when people come to Marquette, you know, it's like, if you're not used to being in a in a pretty small city like Marquette in a rural kind of place, um, you know, I don't care where you are in Marquette and where you're going. It's not going to take more than 10 minutes. So even though we're not downtown, um, you can leave Black Rocks or Ordock and be at our place. You'd be sitting down at the bar ordering a beer 10 minutes later. And uh, we're right on the Iron Ore Heritage Trail, which as of this summer will have... Um, an underpass uh, under the highway, um, or as of this fall, sorry, they're finishing it up right now. Um, we're going to have, you know, the highway all summer was under construction. That probably didn't help us. We don't know how much it affected us because we had a way better summer than last summer, but we only had one summer to compare to, and it was our yeah. first summer open. And I'm going, hey, we did pretty good. I don't think the construction was so bad, and all of our neighbors that have been in business forever in our area are like, oh, man, you're kidding yourself. We're down 40%. You know how much business? So we're going like, okay, and we ran out of beer. So for next summer, wow, we got to make a lot of beer. Double, yeah. triple it. Yeah. <laughs> so we and were... you guys don't have a, a lot of lead time. Like you you guys, have the, the amount of time it takes to brew your beer and turn it around yeah. is not as easy as doing yeah, exactly. like – you know, um, months and a months. thirty day a thirty day turnaround for any yeah. beer. Like you could, you could hammer out like a, yeah. a four day brew festival with your brewers and go one totally. on one on one on one. You know, twenty four hours making the stuff go and totally. just kegging it. You guys so don't have one. that luxury. What's this uh, one? This one, the spooky. So this is we uh, have to brew this by the by end Janu of December. We need to have the barrels full by January in order to have this beer ready for next October 1st. Um, and that's, you know, we would have uh, actually had to plan in more time in the past before we really got things like propagating that culture um, dialed in. And, you know, I mean, this beer takes a long time. And, you know, that said, this that's actually a pretty quick turnaround even so because we have other beers that, you know, we have spontaneous beer going on two years already. Um, and we have other barrels. You know, some beer is on its own trajectory you know some barrels you know usually if we're trying to make a specific beer and use a specific culture we know what we're going to get and if let's say we fill 10 you know wine barrels which is what we use uh, red wine barrels mostly um 
that there might be that one barrel that's just an outlier, just something, uh, an organism that was in the last beer in it, even though we, you know, do our best to, to prep the barrels for a fresh fermentation, um, you know, you get the outliers. So we kind of always have to have a little more, and we always know we can blend and use, uh, you know, that kind of, that one that has a different flavor um, to kick off a whole other product maybe. Or, um, you know, we're, we're really... Uh, we kind of, most of the beers that we put into barrels, we just call them Funk 1, 2, 3, 4. You know, I think we're up to Funk 8 or something like that um, on the brew schedule. And we just uh, don't even know what that is until it starts to get ready. And we decide, oh, this will be great with this fruit or this would be great blended with that. Or what are we going to do with this before it actually becomes a product? So it's a little different in that um, that last little bit of packaging and conditioning does take longer. In s- some beers, it seems like, oh, we got this beer together right away because we had barrels ready. So it's a little weird. Um, it's a different uh, mentality in the brewery. You know, Most of what we make is, is something that we have to see where it's at with time. And we can't just be like, like okay, we're going to uh, do this today, and in six months we're going to have this flavor and this beer. Usually it's like, we think we're going to have this, and we're going to see how we can work with that at the end. You know, just a different approach. I, I So I just had the uh, taste of the beer. I don't know if you the saw my face. Creek, yeah. yeah, very, very salty. Um, that's that's mm. the kind of, like, pucker face sour that yeah. I'm getting from there. This is the kind of beer, like, when, when I look at beer, like, you know, we, we talk about the Lawmore beer, the first beer that you had. Um, the second beer got a little bit saltier, like yeah. a little bit uh, sour, sour. Yep. More sour, I guess yep. would be proper grammar. Yep. More sour, yeah. Um, but for this one right here, like, this is the kind of beer, like, if I know I want one beer, yeah. this is going to keep me sipping. Yeah. I can't crush it. I can't yep. slam it. I yep. can't. And that's that's something that I, I honestly got to look for in a beer. Like, if, if yep. it's my nightcap, if it's yep. something where, you know, I want to be one and done, what is this cranking, uh, cranking in at for ABV? This is actually just six? under, okay. yeah, or just over six. Um, yeah, so this beer, Spooky Creek, um is uh, basically it's a Flemish uh, pale, you know, barrel aged beer. It's just the it's the Belgian tra- tradition right here, through and through in the barrel, and then uh, at the you know what's really basically the end, um, a whole bunch of Michigan uh, Montmorency cherries, and that really kicks up the flavor and tart factor big time. It also, I mean, to me, this is like drinking a Montmorency cherry. You know, it really kind of dominates a beer. But that's really why we made it, and uh, it's been our, it's been our the beer that two years in a row now, um, and hopefully into the future. Um, basically, we put it out and it's gone, and uh, I love that. Um, that's really nice to have that beer, but it's also like, but we could have had more at home, you know, to to sell to our customers at home, and like so we're gonna make even more of it or for myself. this year, or myself. Um, and we're going to see if, you know, we can have a little more at home because it was a flash in the pan at home. Uh, but now it's all over the state, which is great. Um, and more people get to appreciate it. But it's always a little bit like, oh, we got to make sure we're, we're keeping some, um, you know, back at the shop for our customers versus bringing it all down here. One one of the, the big things, and it kind of reminds me, you were talking about the, the type of barrels you're using, the red wine barrels. Yeah. So if you guys go to our archive uh, yeah. for Better on Draft, and you go to episode 34, we had Nick the Brewer on from Black Lotus, and we had Unity... Yeah. Um, Unity 
Yeah, uh, vibration. vibration. Yep. I was like, I'm pretty sure it's vibration, but I'm yeah, like, I, yep. I just wanted to make sure. Uh, who's a kombucha company? Yeah, love that. Now um, they make amazing product, but yeah. they got into a huge conversation that day about the laws of the barrels, uh-huh. what kind of wood can uh-huh. be used for the barrels. Uh-huh. Now this might be you know interesting for you because yep. I'm sure you worked with different types of wood styles yeah. of wood. Like, is there any type of barrel you would like, like with a, a specific type of wood that you think yeah. you could really get a different flavor of that you just can't because of legalities? You know, I mean, I, we you probably have, never thought of it until now, and now your head's you know, racking. Well, <laughs> we've thought about it because we actually had a product planned, or we had a concept, um, and I'm going to say it here, and, and we're still going to do it, and hopefully others do too, because I think this is just way too cool, but... Um, it didn't work out for a few reasons for the, the original, original uh, batch we made, but uh, basically we were planning on trying to represent um, in each of five barrels that we get out of a 10-barrel batch, you know, we fill five Same wine beer. barrels, um, we were going to use a different local wood and toast it ourselves and add it, you know, to neutral barrel-aged you know, beer to bring the flavor of the woods. You know, we made a base beer that would support woody flavors. We made, um, we used, you know, hops and, and, and malts that were toasty and a little woody. And, uh, and and then the beer didn't really, it didn't go to right where we wanted again, where sometimes the first shot in the barrel, we're like, this is what we think we're going to get. But then we're like, oh, we got something different. This is going to be great over here, and we're going to do that, but we're going to try again at what we were going for. So we're, we're about to try again at that. Um, you know, I've had debates about woods. You know, all of our barrels are oak barrels. Um, all but probably, I don't know, a half a dozen out of 50 or something like that that we have right now in-house are French oak. Um, they're all really red wine barrels from California. I've been on wine barrels in Michigan for years and years uh, back from Ordoc. Um, and, uh, you know, you just never get them because there's just not, it's not like California where wineries are turning over hundreds of barrels. So anyway, um, that said, we do have some spirit barrels. Uh, they're a little bit harder for us to work with for a few reasons. You know, the spirit barrels will definitely take over, uh, the beer character more than the wine barrels will, um, which isn't always a bad thing, but we're, we're not really looking for the spirit character in the beer. The other thing about spirit barrels, and I worked at a brewery years ago where we did a lot of barrel aging and bourbon barrels, um, is uh, the hoops are rusty and the charcoal's all over, and uh, it just is harder to to keep using them. They, they have a more finite life than a, a wine barrel, where I'm turning back and looking right now, and I can point to a wine barrel here at Eastern Market, uh, brewing that has you know galvanized hoops in the barrel probably looks about like the day it was made and then next to it there's you know bourbon barrels which actually are in great shape for bourbon barrels but the hoops are getting rusty you know and it's like that's not affecting the beer on the inside but uh, it's affecting the the brewer when every day he's covered in red you know rust and it's just something about the way the wine barrels are so much more you know prepared to last that it makes me want to invest in them as well so it's kind of a you know it's an interesting thing you know i've had some great spirit barrel beers i love a good gin barrel beer i've had a lot of good gin barrel beers 
but it's not really necessarily like what the flavor profile we're going for, you know. I uh, I actually start when I started getting into alcohol a little bit more because I I honest to God stopped drinking alcohol for six years straight. Wow! Um, in that entire six years, I did not drink. I shouldn't say alcohol. I should say liquor. Yeah, right. Booze. Definitely drank beer. Okay, Lots yeah. of beer was yeah. drank during that time. So yeah. for liquor, um, you know, I, I completely gave it up. I got you know I I made a mistake. Um, and that is I finished a fifth of Russian Standard 100 to oh, myself, yeah. um, and I felt it for two days. Yeah, and I'm like, I don't want two days anymore. <laughs> yeah, like, no, I'm, I'm, not, I'm not 22. I, yeah. I can't turn around and go to work at 9 in the morning yeah. feeling just fine. Um, so after that, I literally just stopped because the thing is is that I drink beer or liquor like I drink beer. Yeah. Fast, quick. Yep. And I never really – like, I would just mix it. I never appreciated liquor. Yeah. Until, yeah. like, we started getting a lot more liquor brands, liquor styles. And we had two James come into studio yeah. and actually bring us straight um, liquor. And they actually brought us because um, shorts, I want to say Melt My Brain, okay, had yeah. a two James barrel. So yeah. we got to do the two James liquor and the beer. Nice. So we had the base beer, the barrel-aged beer, and the liquor. So we were able nice. to see if we could taste the, the profiles between all of them. Oh, and I'm sure that was eye-opening, to say the least. It, it definitely allowed allowed me to learn what a barrel can do and you were kind of talking about you know using barrels and you know trying to track consistency and i think that speaks wonders to what new holland does with their dragon's milk because i tell you what no matter where i drink my dragon's milk and to be honest no matter how old it is it always tastes the same it always tastes so smooth and that's one of those beers where um i got to have it on hand pull at the creole and lansing i believe is the, the city one of the silkiest beers I, I ever had. Now, are you guys fans of cask ales? Do you guys yeah. do any cask or hand pulls up there? You know, no. I always have. You know, and and someday, probably. In fact, we had planned to have some casks um, going from the start. But you know, by the time we we're done doing renovations of the building, I had to start. You know ticking a few things off the list that were, you know, really just my own personal indulgent over indulgence over everything else. But um, I love Cascale. I mean, I've been to England lots of times. I have uh, a sister-in-law, brother-in-law, and uh, nieces there. Um, it's been a few years now, but been there lots of times. Honestly, as much as I love Belgian ale and the complexity here, there's some times when you just can't be more satisfied than with a good English bitter on a properly pulled... Yep beer engine i mean i love it so, someday we will i feel like the whole lambic thing with gravity forecasts is a great idea too you know we have spontaneous beer going that'd be a great way to roll it out in a really authentic manner um yeah love this stuff joe sorry you should yeah you uh you got me going on that at the orda rolling casts around and mm-hmm. you get to uh you get to just pull you know they were 10 gallon yeah, Perkins, yeah, 10 UK Perkins, and, uh, so you know, you could add dry hops or you could add, you could just yeah. add flavors to just know the, the profile of that. Yeah. Um, with a light beer, yeah, yeah. like uh, our gold, I think we did it yeah. with a lot. Yeah. Just to get the the profile of uh, a hop or it, a, it's, a essence or Yeah, and it's not really. an easy, you know... It seems like it'd be the easiest way to have beer. You pound a tap in it, you pull it on a beer engine. Keeping that beer where it needs to be for the duration of a cask. Right. Having a bright beer in a cask. These are all things that these English brewers spent, you know, I'm sure hundreds of years really perfecting. And, you know, we get to come in at the last minute here and and know what they do. And 
and all that, but it's an art that is it's on its whole own, you know, trajectory in beer, you know. It's like flavors and, and um, conditioning and all that is one thing, but, you know, a cask gallon, a beer engine, there's a whole other level of attention and attention to detail and details involved, you know. Now, uh, we, were, we were talking about cask. I actually got a chance. I was in um, Seattle a week or two ago. Wow. And I got a chance to go. So I, I didn't have much time, so I stopped at Optimism, which was a great place. Okay. Huge brewery. Um, I think a lot of uh, brewers and beer nerds would love to look because it's um, a huge brewery, but it's an open brewery, so you can see the brewer work, kind of like yep. how we have at Easter Market. Yep. Um, and so I asked them, I asked one of the bartenders, I'm like, you know, I, I want to stop at one more brewery. Where do I want to go? And they, they sent me up to Ballard, and I'm, which is a, an yeah. area of Seattle. And I'm like, I'm looking at it. I'm like, there's so many breweries here. I can't do it this time. I have to come because I'm going back in like two weeks. Yeah. Um, so I'm going to be able to do a brew tour there. Okay. And I'm like, I just need one, like an outlier. And they sent me to Machine House Brewing. Okay. And this is, they had all hand pulls. Oh. And so the dude is literally cranking the beer yep. into my glass. Um, they had a English mild, so good. Yeah. Um, and again, it was it was nearing the end of my my drinking for that day, so I'm yeah. like, I want something low ABV. Yeah. So, so I was looking at, you know, I, I have to pay attention to ABV. Well, one, everyone should, yeah. um, unless you're not driving and you have right. someone to take care of. Don't be stupid. Don't finish a fifth of Russian Standard 100. <laughs> <At least> stupid. <laughs> um, but like today, like you know, that's why I'm asking you, like, because I'm calculating yeah. everything in my head, all the yeah. little drinks that you're giving me, because yep. especially at festivals, those three ounces add up oh, and up yeah. and up, and it's nobody so much knows. Faster than you'd think, too. Yeah, well, <laughs> I, I also think it kind of takes into uh, consideration the amount of oxygen you're taking in okay. by taking the smaller sips. Yeah. Um, because if you look at why, do you guys smoke cigars at all? No. Cigarettes. Cigarettes, okay. So within cigars, though, um, you know, have you ever seen people, like, when they, they roach clip the near the end of the cigar because they yeah. want to do the end? The reason for that is that you burn so much oxygen at the end, it gives you a little bit of a high. Okay, yep. So because you're sucking in, that's yep. why the, the beer, um, the Century Club, um, people get yes. drunk faster is because they're taking shots and bringing in so much oxygen, oxygen. that they're getting drunker faster than they wow. should be, even though it's just your standard you know, light that. lager or whatever yeah. they're, they're drinking. Sure, you're doing 100 ounces in 100 minutes, but that's, you know, I've, I've definitely done that a few times myself. Yeah. Um, but that's also like I'll do Guinness. Like Guinness goes down like fucking water oh, in my yeah, mouth. I love it. Um, so before we go, let's crack open this last yes. one because, I mean, we brought Speaking four. We might as well drink four. Now we'll yeah. drink a stronger This beer. one will we'll take an ounce of. Oh, you're going to talk into the mic. This one will take an ounce Yeah, yeah. It, so um, now I'm going to pop the, um, the yeah, we we we, we, have, just, we have other willing participants in the yes, brewery will who, will, us, yeah. who will help uh, us um, not uh, waste the beer. Because that's, that's one thing. So near the end of our shows, um, if you've ever seen our kill shots at the end of our shows, go to our Instagram, Better on Draft. You can actually see all the beers that we drink. And, you know, when we have howlers, growlers, and stuff, like, we don't want to, you know, we'll crack it open, but we'll only have, like, half the beer. So near the end, when everyone's talking, we're all pouring beers and, you know, finishing up the beers um, just to not be wasteful. I, I've, I've only poured out one beer in my life, and that is... It was one of the worst beers I've ever had, um, but I, I honest to God couldn't even tell you, so I'll probably make the mistake again. Oh, yeah. Um, it was from a bottle. Um, it wasn't from the brewery that brought it in. It was, I think, it might have been in the fridge, and remember us, or some, yeah. we, somebody brought it in from another state, like, ooh, let's try this beer. Um, with all my travel that I do, like, I bring beer from other states. Um, lately, I've been bringing liquor. 
uh, and getting everyone to try a little to kind of I want them to join me in the liquor level. Yeah. Um, so we have at the end of each show is the final shot. And usually it's a liquor that I brought from wherever I came from. So this past week uh, when we had Urban Embodiment on, uh, I did uh, Aquavit. And I've been nice. – have you guys ever had Aquavit before? Yeah. I first had it at Keesling, uh. which, you know, would probably be a great place for you guys to uh-huh. get into yeah. to make beer cocktails. Because uh. I think you could do a lot of beer yeah. cocktails with Definitely. your type of beer. Yep. Um, they're a very, very – so it's in Milwaukee Junction, part of Detroit. Yep. Okay, yeah. Um, but I had it – and they had it like the – you know, the Jaeger coolers where they pour it. But they had a yeah. Norden Aquavit uh-huh. cooler. Yeah, yeah. I had it chilled. It was so good. Yeah. I had it again warm, like room temp. Yeah. Oh, my God. Yeah. So much better. Wow, yeah. Um, so we do that. We do the final shot. Um, and it's just I, – I love – uh, you know, just trying new things, yep. and that's that's why I do this show. This show yeah. is completely to bring people in <laughs> to talk, to tell the stories. That's awesome. um, what are we drinking to finish this uh, part of the episode? So um, we're rounding it out with um, basically a variation on a, a beer because uh, you know the the base beer here is um, we call it the uh, that kicked me in the mouth. Yeah, <laughs> Queen City Brute. So this is this is eleven and a half percent. So it's a little stronger. This is a, a beer to champagne. Uh, the Queen City Brut, we used uh, Chardonnay Grape Must from um, up in the, you know, uh, Leelanau Peninsula of Michigan. Uh, but we did a variation where with these barrels, instead of the Chardonnay juice, uh, we went with blackberry uh, concentrate to make a real, uh, ins- you know, instead of the whole fruit, you know, different fruits, different purposes, different pros and cons. Uh, concentrate gives a beer a lot more of a than uh, adding whole fruit because it'll kind of water the beer down a little bit. Mm-hmm. Um, and we were going for flavor intensity. Now, this is not a sour beer. This is uh, a Brett beer. Right. This actually is Brett Clausenii. We were just, really, we needed to lay the beer down a barrel, and there's no better thing to protect a beer in a barrel than a wild yeast um, that's, you know, going to scavenge all the oxygen at the surface and at the, you know, intersection of liquid and wood. So, um, yeah, here we go. It's the Blackberry Brute. It's uh, very strong. What, what uh, kind of what kind of wild yeast are you using in this? This one is um, uh, Brett Clausenii. Uh, uh, so a lot uh, milder funk. Uh, we didn't want this these barrels to be dominated by the funk of the wild yeast. We wanted it to be a little cleaner character. But you know the the main thing about barrels the, the thing about barrels that that we really need is uh, their oxygen, you know, permeability. So even though that barrel's full of liquid and uh, none of that is coming out, uh, oxygen is getting in. Um, so that means we can put these organisms in the barrel and age it warm, and that yeast is constantly getting micro-oxygenation and continuing to work. It's protecting the beer from that oxygen, but it needs that oxygen. So it's a beautiful, you know sort of uh you know natural just barrier to the problem of oxidized beer um you know on that same subject i'll say all our beer is naturally carbonated it's all bottle or keg conditioned um and that's for a lot of reasons but really one big benefit there too is that there's no oxygen in the package and the beer does not stale it ages very gracefully for a very long time uh, most of our beers, uh, you know, I'm going to say years. We don't know yet because our oldest beers are a year and a half old but um, in the package. But, you know, the proof is out there in a lot of amazing beers from, um, you know, Belgium and places in the United States as well as France and Germany. And 
uh, that natural carbonation. Wow, does that ever seal that beer in, you know? Um, it keeps the oxidative notes out. It keeps it from getting, uh, um, it keeps it from, from the pH rising, you know, incredibly. It keeps it tart. It keeps it right where it needs to be. Well, I don't know if you guys noticed. It's been 45 minutes. We have been talking. We have been drinking. I have learned so much today. Uh, Barrel and Beam, where are you guys located? How can they find you on Facebook, Instagram? So uh, Barrel and Beam, we're in Marquette, Michigan, um, on Northwoods Road, the old Northwoods Supper Club building. Uh, we are at barrelandbeam.com, and we are also at Facebook slash Barrel and Beam and Instagram slash Barrel and Beam. Um, and, uh, yeah, I think that's about the best places to find us. Right, Joe? Yeah, the roundabouts will be done yes. by the time you guys come up next summer. And, and uh, you guys are in distro or if you come up right this now, winter, uh, bottles and, we, and kegs? Yes, so we self-distribute really, you know, throughout the, what we call the beer belt of Michigan, which yeah. I think is a pretty appropriate uh, Detroit term. to Grand Rapids? Yeah, so we're, uh, you know, we're... That's, um, that, that's a good little, uh, what's that, 96? Yeah. Yeah, yeah. got it, yep. Yeah. You um, can stop so, yeah. that. I mean, with a little jaunt down to Ann Arbor and... No, uh, you don't need to do that. Yeah. <laughs> but we do. <laughs> look, look, you got you, you're you're going right through Lansing, and we yeah. we actually yep. did a show, and we called it the '96 Corridor yeah. Show because yep. we stopped at Aberrant, we yep. stopped at Brewery Becker, we yeah. stopped at Old Nation, yep. but that's not even including like Draft Horse, Drafting Table, yeah. Yeah. and that's just like the the very very east side of '96. Yep. You haven't even gone through. Um, you know, next time you guys are self-distroing, yeah. um, you're coming down to Detroit. Try yeah. to make it a Friday night. We'll have you guys in studio. Uh, we'll great. talk a lot more. I appreciate it. Uh, we will be right back with the Better on Draft podcast.
girl, I don't. Now let me give it to you. <laughs> All right, and we are back. Episode 198, Better Undraft Podcast, still here at Eastern Market Brewing. And uh, this is interview number two. Rob has joined me. Hello, Rob. Hey, how's it going? Good, and you? Yeah, I'm doing all right. Just kind of pretty much spending the morning driving around, dropping kids off at school, and, and trying to pick up some beer that uh, apparently did not show up for delivery. So oh, uh, that's all right. It's all right. uh, It'll be here. It'll hopefully be here tonight. So we just finished, uh, wrapped up with Barrel and Beam. A really good episode. They still have some beer on the table, so our guests can definitely dig into it a little bit. Um, but our guests, why don't you, uh, we start here, actually returning. Uh, yes. What's your name and uh, what do you do? Uh, I'm Kyle Sanborn. I'm the head brewer for Midland Brewing Company. All right. And next to me? My name is Clark Bickham, and I'm the marketing communications leader for Midland Brewing Company. All right. Well, welcome to the show. We appreciate you guys coming on. Sure. Uh, Midland Brewing, it's been a, a minute since you guys were on our show. It has um, been, yeah. Uh, I think you guys had just opened up the new facility. Yes. Um, a little bit after that, because that's actually when I met you guys, was right. you were opening up the new facility. What has happened over the last couple of years? Uh, well, we've expanded uh, a lot. Um, so that was roughly about the same time I started with Midland Brewing. And uh, since then, we last year did uh, 1,500 barrels. We're moving our way up to 2,000 this year. And, uh, you know, expanding our markets, we just recently expanded into Meyer stores, so that's really cool. Are you saying uh, 1,500 um, in distro or 1,500 total? Total, in okay. total. Yeah, so including in-house. In-house, we do about... 500 to 600 so about a thousand in distro last year well let's let's kind of talk about that for sure. a minute because we're talking about uh you know especially being an eastern market and these guys know how to open their mouths yeah. um <laughs> one of the things that they brought up recently was the distro laws mm-hmm. um and i actually got a chance to listen to the npr interview with larry bell uh dane and dan riley from former axel um really really interesting interview but with the new laws Will that open you guys up to being able to self-distro a little bit? Like if you guys wanted to go to downtown Midland, you don't have to send it to a distro person to, to right. go back? or and That'll certainly be nice. The the thousand barrel thing is really tricky because um, it's, it's so easy to go over that nowadays. Um, and we hit it pretty quickly. So... Uh, you know the expanding and all that stuff. It'd be nice to be to have that option. Um, obviously, sometimes it's easier to go through a distributor, but sometimes you just want to take a keg somewhere. Well, exactly, and the ability to uh, just take a keg, whether it's to a festival that you don't have to go through a distro, or yep. you know, um, you know, still following the laws. But what I love about the new law that they're uh, trying to pass, as much as they're trying to bring it up to two K. 
Um, it's not 10K, uh, but they're removing in-house sales from that number, too. Right which is a huge thing because you, you talked 1500 near 2000, right. but you know, so at that 2000 part, it'd be a wash. You guys are still stuck with your distro that 500 less from in house really helps you guys um, with what you can do. Now, my question is with the new laws changing in house, you know, we, we see Sam Adams limit the amount of beer they make because anymore and they'll have to get like a different taxation or a different right. tax. Do you guys think that that will happen? Not necessarily with Midland, with a lot of breweries like limiting the amount of beer that they make so that they don't have to go because that le- 1,000 I think is such a low threshold that everyone's just going to hit it. You just have to deal with it. At 2,000, not many people, are, you're, not, you're not really staying at 2,000. You're starting to explode and you're going to five, six, seven. Right. Hopefully. Yeah, exactly. That's always the goal. Do you you think people are going to hold off until they can make that flip? Um, I think it's a bit of a business decision because, you know, how do you, you know, as brewers, we want to make our beers. We want to experiment around and we want to spread the beer out to everybody. So it's uh, I think it'll be a bit of a not controversy, but a bit of a conversation between brewers and their owners uh, because not every brewer is fortunate enough to be their own owner. Um, so I think it's going to be a kind of a thing like that. I, d- I don't know. It'd be interesting to see what actually happens. Uh, the hospitality here at Easter Market Brewing is amazing. It's wonderful. <laughs> I As, love uh, it. They just brought Non-stop. us a pitcher of Market Day IPA. Oh uh, so I'm going to pour myself a half glass because it's an IPA. <laughs> um, I'm, I'm still still I'm not still a fan of them. Here. Still still not a fan. There, yes, there is still the, the barrel and beam. I, I finished that one. Which, sorry. I say there's there's the, the uh, we got these brand new uh, yeah. ooh. Uh, ooh. Uh, brand new fancy better on draft glasses. They are very nice. They nice. are uh, well worth the money I spent. I don't know how much I spent, but <laughs> obviously an amount. <laughs> an amount. <laughs> an amount. <laughs> uh, you know, uh, working with Michigan Beer Box, which is one of our sponsors, I've learned how much money these actually cost to make. And the quality that you get versus the pieces of shit you get when you go to like. Have you, have you guys ever been to Vegas? No, actually. No, but my cousin just moved so, there. So, you know, there's there's stores in Vegas where they sell, like, three shirts for $5 or, mm-hmm. you know, pint glasses for, you know, $1. And I always wonder, oh, why is it so expensive when you go to um, a bar or a brewery or something like that to buy the one glass? Well, where in Vegas, they're able to buy, you know, 50,000 glasses right. and get the, the quantity to where they can sell it for literally at cost and make, you know, a decent margin on those. Sure. Whereas we're only buying, you know, 150, 200. Right. So you, you don't get that volume discount. You don't know, and that that mm-hmm. that kind of kind of sucks. But yeah. what do you guys think of this uh, market day IPA? I think this is the perfect second beer of the day for me. Like it's it's not overpowering, but it's it's just a nice drinker. Well, it is. A, I think it's their session. Um, it still yeah. clocks in at like it six is. something percent. Okay. Um, <laughs> but but for something that, that just kind of seems like it's in the morning, it, it, it just kind of gives you that feel of just drinking orange juice yeah. And, yeah. and just getting ready for the day. That's, yeah, I mean, it's I, not I overly hoppy. It's, it's they, they do have the Elephant Juice here, which is their New England IPA, ah, yes. um, which I actually don't mind. Um, do you, did you guys jump on the New England train? Did you guys make a New England IPA? You made, um, a, you made a couple. We made a couple mostly for in-house. Like We just did them in the brewery, um, but still experimenting with the style. Like It's, it's becoming... Well, it is such an established style now. Yeah. So how do you differentiate and change it up a little bit? So that's what I've been working on 
you know, different ways of doing hops, different ways to bitter, different ways to spice. Are you like guys that. are you guys seeing it's one of your top sellers in your? Oh yeah. Okay. When we put it on tap, it sells pretty quick. Okay. We 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 learned that with Baffin because yeah. you know as much as they have such a uh, their standard, their mango on chain, their Bob Barley, yeah. plenty of Smot. beers. When they when they introduced Wicked Smot, it became their number one seller. And I think that just speaks wonders to what this actual craze is because we talk about how it's going to, you know, how long is it going to last? What's going on? But these beers have been, you know, top sellers in other states for a long time. And it's slowly making their way west. And when I went to Sacramento um, a month ago, like they had just started getting like New England IPAs. And when I did like Urban Roots, they're like, we're not going to make one. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> um, but this is also a brewery in Sacramento against, and when you want to talk about beer city USA with grand rapids, Sacramento is very, very, they have so many breweries oh, there. Really? You didn't, I'd never realized yeah, it. I didn't know that. I showed I up and he's like, yeah, there's like 20 or something breweries here. And I'm like, really? Now Sacramento is <laughs> a bigger city than sure. grand rapids. But when you're fighting against all those other breweries, this brewery hadn't been open that long mm-hmm. and they just went gangbusters. Yeah. Um, very, very smart. And when when I interviewed them, they talked about how the front of the house and the back of the house are completely separate. You have the the guy who's running the kitchen, the guy who's you know running the back of the house doesn't really touch the brewing stuff. Okay. The guy who's doing the brewing stuff doesn't touch the kitchen part. So like that whole separation, I think works best. Um, you guys ever see the movie Chef? Yeah, with, uh, I love that movie. But but again, Good that's that's the thing is, is that you know you you have the guy in the kitchen making the kitchen. You have the owner, mm-hmm. and that's the whole premise of the movie is they right. got into a fight, yeah. and that's yeah. what we kind of see with restaurants. Um, <laughs> do you guys like? Do you see that separation at Midland Brewing, or it's um, actually that's been a topic of a lot of debate at the brewery recently. It's been building a culture that's combined between the two. Okay. It's been something that's been a big focus of ours, and we've been really putting some pieces in play mm-hmm. to make that happen. Uh, but yeah, that's definitely something that I originally started working as a busboy at Midland Brewing Company. So I kind of have seen both ends of things. I'd say pretty good grasp on it. And in the past, we had a much separate, but towards the future, we're definitely trying to mesh those yeah, together. We're making a point to you, well, like, you, you need the proper culture, right? Yeah. And that's a big thing is is building that culture, that whole beer culture uh, for our staff, especially the ones who aren't really craft beer drinkers they're they're not you know they're bud light drinkers which is fine if that's what you like but at least hey try this you know what do you taste and you know between myself clark our salespeople, we've been making a point to you know when we have new beers i might pull something out of a tank and take it up to them and say hey try this like what do you think of this and when we put a new beer on you know we've been you know make we make these nice data sheets for them now hey here's a little description of the beer sort of what it's like if you've never had it things like that so remind me to talk to you off air because yeah. i'm going to give you some what the equipment you guys have that we have a mutual agreement on yep not trying to plug anything or say yep, anything totally understand i, I have some stuff that will help you a lot with that oh great That'd um, be great. that's awesome are you guys as what what other breweries are around you guys right now up in midland uh, we have closest uh, would be Tri City, I believe. Yeah, Tri City, Oracle, uh, Loggers, um, Lumber Barons. Do you guys see a lot of people coming up to the, the Tri City areas to to do like beer tourism? Or it's it's beginning to be like a thought. I know um, a lot of people have reached out to me, like bus guides and tours like that, uh, to set something up. It's just working together with all the other local breweries and getting us all to agree. Okay, we want to do this and just working out the fine edges but the, I, mean, it, I feel like a little bit of distance yeah us. 
Um, well, I mean, I like, feel like it kind of sets for a good thing for a bus tour because yeah, you can, exactly. <clears throat> you know, you, you like have a, a driver that you pay, which, right. you know, mm-hmm. you uh, Stephen Johnson of Motor City Brew Tours does great stuff mm-hmm. um, with what he does doing the bus tours. Um, but w- we have the benefit down here. There's, you know, I, I always call it the um, uh, the Midtown Triangle, which is Traffic Jam, Jolly Pumpkin, Motor City Motor Brew Tours. Sure. Or if you go to Royal Oak, you can literally walk to Roke, River Rouge. Um, Boston, Lilies, Royal Jolly yeah, Pumpkin, I did that Royal Oak. This year, actually, yeah, <laughs> yeah, you can, around. you you can do that. Um, but when you get to even for, like places that are further away, like Ferndale, Ferndale's breweries and meaderies are all around. Right, like you gotta drive somewhere. Like when Ferndale Ta- or Ferndale Project, which will be the new one, yep. like that's far away from Urban Rest, which is far away from the Wab downtown, which is far away from Bee Nectar. And by far away, I'm talking like you know a half a mile. But you distance. you can't walk a half a mile to each place and right, right. and do well. I've right. I, I did I did a lot of walking when I was in Asheville. Okay, and that was one of the like my feet hurt after that because they they're they're not close they're they're close enough to walk, but I should have drove. And then once I couldn't drive, walk. Right. Sure. <laughs> <laughs> but the, the everyone, everyone thinks, you know, you know, that's, this is why I hate, like, running outside. Because if you run a half mile somewhere, you have to run the half back. mile back. <laughs> right. <laughs> so that's why. No stop. Yeah. yeah there's, there's, no, there's no capabilities. And, of course, if, right. you, if it rains or you get, you know, for me, bored. Um, sure. No, I get I, that. I, 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 we're I all very port, portly much. gentlemen here. <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah, really good at drinking. Though. Not a high Definitely. priority. Yeah. Now, when how, how do you, you know, you, you were talking about staff, and this is a great topic. How do you deal with staff who don't drink the beer that they're serving? We force it down their throat. No. <laughs> <laughs> no, we don't do hey, that. You're making us look like bad guys. <laughs> do, do you guys do like a, a, week, a weekly meeting that talks about the upcoming beers or the so beers? So we kind of do. We've started doing kind of a monthly thing. Okay. Um, um, where it's a, hey, here's all the things that are coming up. Events, mm-hmm. beers, different things, stuff like that. Um, and then whenever I put a new beer on tap, I make a point to whoever's there, hey, try this. You know, I explain what it is, and they say, oh, I don't really like that. Well, just try it, just so you have some frame of reference for right. what it is. Um, and then, you know, the data sheets, I, they really like the data sheets, no, just yeah. because <clears throat> if they're not beer drinkers, they can at least say, oh, well, it's kind of like, like we just did a black IPA we just mm-hmm. put on tap. And it's, you know, a couple of the servers, they hate IPAs, and they hate the roasty, and they hate, yeah, it. The, they hate it in general. Right. For, for, for a style that I should like, I just yeah. don't at all. I have <laughs> never met a black IPA that I like. Sure. Um, and There's a joke that's in okay. there somewhere. Yeah, I was going to say <laughs> I'm trying so hard right now. Right. That's, that's, that's where we need Matt Bush to, yes. uh, yeah. to, to go through. Um, what, are you guys doing any big programs like food pairings or anything like that with the beer up there? Because you've got a full kitchen in that restaurant. We do, yeah. So we, we make a point to, especially with the specials, we'll do pairings and whatnot. Clark and I have been working on a few special things, and I don't know which of them he's ready to talk about. No, I mean, we're, him. we're uh, actually next month. This will get month, posted gonna, next week. So. Okay, no, that's oh, cool. Yeah. D- depending on uh, when you want to. That's cool. Um, next month we're actually doing a beer and bacon pairing. Ooh, so it's going to be just <laughs> focused mainly on beer and different styles of bacon, candied bacon, peppered bacon. Um, we do we do wings up in Midland that they're pretty ridiculously good, and they're the wing smoked. rub is like a house rub. So we're going to coat some bacon in that, and we'll be doing that November twenty first, and that's going to be our first one. So we're kind of starting small and then looking to expand to you know themed ones like around tacos or 
separate dishes and then doing like full course plated meals eventually. But are you guys doing anything other than beer up there? Are you guys do you guys have like a winemaker's license? We have wine. Yep, we have winemakers. Um, we do cider. Um, we're working on spirits. Um, we do have the licensing for it. Oh, good. We are. We're working on it. So yeah, it, give us a, time. Not People a have been asking process. a lot. I, th- I think Baffin got their distilling license like two years ago, and they're yeah. still yeah. not distilling. I, I was up there yesterday. Really, yeah. and I, I just saw all of their equipment, which it, it kind of for me, it, it's it's very interesting that I'm seeing all of these breweries that are going to distilling, mm-hmm. and it's it's like you know we we have there's there's a piece of of having the craft beer market share, but now going at the spirit market share, right and you know, looking at you know the Smirnoffs and and the the, the Jamesons and well, Jameson. Why am I thinking Jameson? That's going way. That's going way off. But <laughs> but like, I guess like the two James and the two rustic James, right? Oh, there you and, and looking City at distillery, right? And and kind of going after that and making your own spirits. It's just, I, I guess, I'm curious what what you think you can you can make as far as those spirits that are different from kind of all of those major players and it's like something that you know your customers and consumers that are coming in what what they're looking for in, mm-hmm. in those sure uh and for us we currently have no plans of pushing our our spirits out mm-hmm. it's mainly for in-house um we have our red keg barrel house which is also an event center so people can rent it out for things like that so yeah. to have spirits available for things like that um, but still, you know, make them. We obviously want them to taste good. We want them to be good. Yeah. I'm personally a, a gin drinker. I love gin. I love trying gin. So I'm really mm-hmm. excited about experimenting with that. Um, but it's it's one of those where I'm not looking to battle any of those guys or like you know, try to compete with them at all because it's it's in house. Like I yeah. just want to have things available for our patrons mm-hmm. who aren't beer drinkers. You know, right. they. They might drink a fruit ale or something like that that I put on tap, but just mm-hmm. to have something there, if I don't have a beer on tap for them, they know they can get a whiskey and coke yeah. or something like that. Yeah, and I, I don't really feel like like with, with everyone who is who is getting their equipment that they're really trying to battle. Sure, I, I think it's just kind of trying to you know put your own spin on it to to have your own and to right. basically. I'm tired of having to go to the warehouse and and buying all of these spirits when I could just make this shit myself right. <laughs> and. <laughs> Make my own money off yep, of it. That's true. And it's fun making stuff. You know, as, as brewers, we all like putting our own spin on things. Right. That's, that's the joy of being a brewer. Are you going to be uh, distilling there, or are you guys going to be hiring uh, outside for distilling? We'll currently be hiring, but we have plans on actually distilling. Okay. Gotta, I have to physically learn all the stuff. Like, I know the basics and all that, but I got to get a little more knowledgeable mm-hmm. i know so much about beers and i need to learn so much about spirits well let's let's kind of go back because we're here it's uh fall beer fest day yeah uh, day one Woo. uh we're drinking Woo. at eleven thirty in the morning this thing <laughs> ends at yeah. nine o'clock tonight so it's gonna be a long day <laughs> yep. it's a marathon not a sprint <laughs> yes that is very true that's right why up. i've got my water i've got my jerky uh i've been definitely uh slow yeah. and steady you not not yeah, well, that's why. So we were kind of talking about ABVs. Have you guys? What was the last time you went to a beer festival as a beer drinker? Uh, <laughs> prolonged pause. Really got to think about that one. Yeah, not not a not a brewery rep. 
not so like pouring. not like cuz obviously I drink when I'm there. Oh, of course. Yeah. Of course, but you drink but like, different as a rep versus right. as a fan that's or true. a drinker. That's very very true. Um, cuz when I'm like when I'm pouring and I'm doing my part for, you know, we're pouring for Ellison and Roke today okay. and to, uh, Ellison tomorrow. You know, you can't be sloshed behind the Right. Uh, you have to be mindful of what you're pouring, who you're pouring to, mm-hmm. yep. look, look, looking for everything. You can't enjoy it. And the the second part too is is that you really you get caught up um, where you guys are for um, the system itself. Like you get caught up. You can't talk. Like you talk to people and then you're not drinking. Right. You yep. you stop somewhere and they stop you and you know you're you're talking or you're talking about. You can't really enjoy right. the festival. That's why I was like, you know, when was the last time we were kind of talking about it with Barrel and Beam? Yeah, briefly. Um, I honestly don't remember because <laughs> ever since I you know ever since I started at Midland, I've always just I've always gone to the festivals, but I'm always there as the mm-hmm. brewer or the rep or. You know, I'm there setting up equipment and talking to people, and I couldn't tell you the last time I was there just to drink. So it was definitely like a couple of years. A couple probably. years, probably back when you were a busboy. Yeah, <laughs> it was probably before that, honestly, because I didn't start. I kind of took a break from going and then started back up, but going as a NBC employee and not having the free limits. So when you someone talks to you and they say they've never been to a festival before, how do you talk to them to tell them to approach it? Because at least in Michigan, we have the token system, right. which means technically, you know, you're you're limited, but you don't know everyone's capability of drinking and you sure. don't know, like, you know, their limits. And of course, 50 cents for an extra token is literally nothing. It's just right. a, a formality for legality. Um, how do you talk to them to approach it? Because I've got two friends that are coming tomorrow that have never been to a beer fest before. Okay. One of them just got introduced to my beer fridge, okay. um, and he he got drunk that night. Yep. Sure. Um, so, sense. like, h- how do you tell people to approach the festival that would come up to you and ask you? I usually tell, especially first-timers. We uh, Last year at this festival, actually, my, uh, at the time, fiancé, now wife, um, Congratulations. Thank you. Actually, it was last Just Saturday. Last I got married. Oh, oh, geez. I cut my honeymoon short to be here. Um, on Better was, on Draft. Not the festival. <laughs> better on Draft. Hey, it was, <laughs> it was her ideas, not mine. Oh, hey. <laughs> She's great. Um, but her family was coming down. It was their first festival. Her parents, her brother and sister. And uh, I told them when they got there, I said, walk around first. Don't try anything. Walk around. See what people have. You know, yeah. hey, that sounds good. Hey, that sounds good. Oh, that, I don't really care for that. Things like that. And then just start trying. You know, pick stuff that sounds good. Um, if it sounds interesting, if it, there's an IPA that has your favorite fruit in it, it's like, yeah, I don't like IPAs. Try it. It's a festival. You're going to get a small little pour of it. If you don't mm-hmm. like it, you don't like it. That's fine. And, and most people, especially that are pouring, like if you like, – like for me, whenever I pour, if they ask me for a suggestion mm-hmm. and I give them a suggestion they don't like, I'm like, I'll buy – Throw the token in myself, and I'll give you something else. I do the same thing. Mm-hmm. It's, yep. it's yep. one of those things to where it's, again, formality, legality, but customer service still. Exactly. Because right. you're yep. still promoting the brand. Like we've, I've poured for, I can't tell you how many different breweries, but for a good three or four uh, festivals straight, we were pouring for Cellarman's. Okay. And obviously, that's a lot different than what, you know, your standard beers, because they yep. were bringing their, you know, they were bringing their beer, mm-hmm. which their beer isn't bad. They had their, um, their... What's I was about to say, Dick Smasher, but that's Bob that's Batch Brewing. Yeah, um, Thrasher. Bre- okay, yeah, Thrasher. Oh, which is yeah. that? That was their crushable lawnmower beer. Yep. I'm like, yeah. you know, that's the beer beer. Um, but they also had like their cider, which was like fifty percent or fifty point one percent beer, forty nine point nine percent cider uh, mix. <laughs> you know, they get away with it. 
Well, right. I, well, yeah, that's exactly. and that's the thing, and I, I kind of want to. Uh, I'm definitely going to be later in the show when I have Scott Newman Bale on. Mm. I'm going to be talking because one of the big things that changed in that upset we had uh, that B Nectar episode, the very first B Nectar episode, yeah. was right after they announced no more mead or cider Uh-oh. or non beers at these festivals because right. B Nectar was showing up, Sellermans was showing up. They're yep. following the rules one. Non beer and the rest beer, so you know they they still had beers. They had a, right. like B Nectar had like a one barrel system. Right. Um, Sellerman's obviously had a little bit more, but yep. that, their bread and butter was mean and cider. Yep. What do you guys think? Because there's fifth, there's I think fifteen seltzers that are going to be at this uh, oh, event. Yeah. Now legally, <laughs> the TTB considers seltzer beer, right. whether mm-hmm. it's fermented with or without gluten or with or without sugar. Um, it's still considered beer. Yep. So what do you guys think of the seltzer movement into <laughs> the Brewers Guild Festival? Kyle, Kyle already have, knows we where have my stance is. We talk about it a lot. Um, Daily basis, at least twice a day. Yeah, Clark <laughs> is a, a firm fan of seltzers. He loves them. Yeah, um, I'm on the I'm on the keto kick, so that's where right. It helps right. Me I didn't most. mention it first. You didn't today. mention it. That's, Still a bingo square. <laughs> that's that's where I fall in line. Now I don't know if you saw. We actually posted on Facebook. Um, nobody's going to listen to this until after the festival. Um, but we mentioned all of the keto beers because there's at least two. Uh, Crankers has a keto IPA, okay. uh, and the Brute IPA, the B43 from Old Nation, is keto. Because uh, they throw champagne yeast in there, okay. which eats up a lot of the the grams of um, carbs. Okay, ours uh, is very similar to that too. So we haven't had it tested for gluten, but uh, you'll you'll make sure on uh, the Facebook page though when you check it, you'll be able to see the calories, the sugar, and the carbs on whoever answered my questions when I asked them <laughs> if it was gluten free. Um, but one of the That's big cool. things is that you know for how many times we pour it at Sellermans, everyone's like you know I, I've seen empty glasses at. At like eight o'clock at night because they haven't found a gluten-free beer. Yep, and they they didn't they didn't have the options of meat or cider or something that could be gluten-free. Right. So I think the seltzers are a necessary mm-hmm. in this industry. But also, what a lot of people don't know is is that if they go to Brewery Becker, all their beer they um, they throw in that. Um, uh, bacteria that eats the gluten and it deglutenizes oh, yeah. all of their beer. Right, and this is standard, not just for festivals. They do it for every single one of their beers. Really? I didn't That's know that. So, huh. if anybody ever asks you, you know, I need gluten free or degluten, you know, it's not gluten free. Can't be legally called gluten free. Right. Yeah. Um, gluten removed. Gluten, gluten removed. Uh, deglutenized. It, it it follows celiac. So, yep. if you yeah. actually have celiacs, like you can drink their beer without any issues. That's awesome. That's cool. So. Fun They're thing. So cool. That's a big benefit, you know. <laughs> and just gives more variety to the community. I think. Well, I I, I talked to to Matt over at Brewery Becker. I'm like, you need to bring a sign that says deglutenized or glu-. Yeah. like literally. You will have a line of people that want to one try it, right. um, because either they are or they know someone. Um, but two, it's going to bring people to their their brewery. Right. And that brewery. Have you been to that brewery yeah, yet? Actually, that yeah. is such a beautiful brewery. It's, it's really. <laughs> you, you do need to make a, a point to make go, go over to uh, Becker. What's yeah. great, though, is, is that near Becker, you've got Eternity, Aberrant, uh, Block, Draft Horse, Drafting Table. They're in good company. More more than enough. More than yeah, you, you can definitely make a, a bus tour over there. Yeah, yeah. Uh, there not, not walking, but not <laughs> driving. Drive. Driving Because if you go, driving. the Drafting Table puts on some heavy beers. Mark oh, yeah. over there and yeah. uh, mm-hmm. Joel put on some heavy oh, beers. Yeah. Um, Eternity's been tr- like since the change of ownership and brewers, 
that's a different brewery now with the same name. Yeah. Um, have you had Eternity since they got uh, transferred? Not that's that, transferred, you should yeah. make it a point to to go try. Okay. Um, Eternity. It is a. It's not like a. Oh, they're so much better. Or, oh, they were so bad. It's just different. Okay. Um, when you walk, you know, when you walk, we just had Barrel and Beeman here. That is a different brewery. Oh yeah. Oh, that's yeah. not you know. Right. Oh, different. Like compared to Midland, oh, that's so much better. Or so much worse. It's just different. different. Yeah. Absolutely. Um, which explaining like and you taste some of those beers which you guys got a chance to sample yeah they're in a (laughs) (laughs) well one of them was 11 percent, so hopefully you didn't finish that one yeah nope Uh, it was the this one that's that's the 11 percent. i had some of it yeah okay good i didn't finish it though okay very very good uh making sure you guys aren't drunk now um (laughs) as as a festival goers how do you guys um attend these festivals like what goes into the preparation for midland brewing to get to these kinds of festivals so first it comes down to beer selection. Uh, that's usually where we start. Um, what we want to take, do things like that. Um, and it, it depends on the market you're in. You know, we're in Detroit. It's a very, it's very trendy. There's lots of, you know, they want to see new styles. They don't want to see our, we don't like, we like our core beers, but we don't want to bring them here because everyone's, everyone's tried Copper Harbor. Who wants to try Copper Harbor? So we didn't bring it today. Um, we have other beers. Um, Lots of fun stuff. Try the yeah. one night in Bangkok. Shameless. Pl- oh, this is airing later. It's gonna air. Oh, hey. that's okay. But it's that's gonna be right. at your brewery. Hope you tried the one night in Bangkok. That, that's, that's a medal it's winner, a, right it there. It is a medal winner. Yes. Yeah. How? How? I, I'm actually curious. How sure. was that experience of just hearing those, <laughs> all of those, be called out, and all of a sudden, here comes yours, just being so, called out. So we're sitting, we're sitting next to the New Holland guys, you know, because we're just hanging out. And, yeah. You know, like, oh yeah. Oh hey, this is one of our categories. And then they said one night in Bangkok, and I swore a lot. Um, <laughs> I uh, it was very it was extremely because you don't expect to hear it. it was a category with like 120 entries. I was like, ah, eh, yeah. it's probably not going to place. Whatever, it's not a big deal. And then you know, it getting that silver medal is like, like oh my god, <laughs> you know, going up. It's just, what, it what style of beer cool. is it? Uh, I call it a smoothie IPA, but we submitted it under the uh, Urban Spice because uh, it uses basil. Okay. Yep. So it's a tangerine and basil smoothie IPA. Do and you guys, it will be on tap. Do you guys do any uh, like uh, spice type beers, like a Groot? Uh, not usually. I want to. I have a few on the schedule. So we, well, you know, Groot Day is coming up in uh, February first. That's true. I'll have a few for that. That was always I, I accidentally showed up to Mountain Town yeah. on Gruit Day. And okay. I don't know if you've ever heard what Mountain Town does, but they put oh, yeah. on like fourteen to sixteen Gruits. Yep. Wow. Yeah, they, they don't mess they, around they, like, yeah, they do. like you <laughs> if you if you go to like the Gruit Day website and they post like you'll see Arbor Brewing has one and this brewery has one and this brewery and then you see Mountain Town is <laughs> just like this giant list and I'm like, because yeah. go um, I, I had gone there um, with my uh, my ex and uh, we were uh, at Soren Eagle, so we're mm-hmm. like, "Oh, let's go to Mountain Town." Yeah, and we showed up, and we got we each got a flight of six, and we still didn't have every single one. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> and they they do so many. I used to live like right around the corner from them, so we went into Mountain Town all the time, and it was like oh, yeah. half a beer. It was always super fun, though. How is it? So when when you guys uh, enter a beer into a festival, like, do you do any marketing for that festival, or like like how how was your has you have you had to do anything since you've won like promote um, change labels I've, wrote, I've written like a blog post on our website promoted on our facebook social media and your website ads. is um website's midlandbrewing.com plain and simple um and then you'll find it underneath the news and events tab you can kind of get an idea of what happened but when i found out that we won it was the same day as the festival going on and the award ceremony and 
I was actually at a festival in Detroit, and the Brew Detroit guy is sitting there on his phone, and I was setting up, and we're all getting ready. And he kind of just yells out, Midland, you won. And for me, I wasn't expecting anything like that. <laughs> so I turn around, I look at him, I'm like, was there a raffle or something? <laughs> what did we win? What? And he looks at me like, no, GABF. And I'm like, and then I proceeded to swear a lot. So that was exciting. <laughs> it was just the reaction, you know, like, I know we entered beers. I know we had a chance, but you just thousands of beers are what you're competing against and some of the the best beers there are and you it just blows you away when you really think about the big picture i feel how do you guys get beers to these out-of-state festivals like do you go through a your (laughs) distributor is it self-distro yeah i thought it's yeah so the guild does a cold shipping okay um so you just have to take it to the drop-off points like this year it was at uh rochester um so you just had to well, that ain't bad for you. Yeah, exactly. It's yeah. like an hour and a half drive, plus my in-laws are down here, so I can stop and say, hey, you know, be the good son-in-law and uh, <laughs> have a beer while I'm there. But, yeah, it's just to box them up, label them yourself, and just drop them mm-hmm. off. So okay. They, yeah, how, they how, much, how much do you have to bring for each beer? Depends on the category. Um, so we didn't enter, like, the hazy IPA category, which had, like, 400-some entries. It's just ridiculous. Um, so I think all of ours, we did six 16-ounce um, cans okay of so it's not it's not that much um especially for the beers that we already packaged so it makes it easy yeah we when i did uh world expo of beer judging mm. um i wasn't a judge i was just kind of there okay i was, I was lurking around <laughs> yeah. well what i was doing was is that this is right when better on draft kind of started and i was just talking to the judges and i was talking to um i think it's chuck brown charlie brown oh yeah the, or john who, who runs it is it charlie brown I think that's his name uh, that runs the judging Sounds and everything right. like that. Uh, we deal we deal with somebody else for the actual festival and the the, the festival part of the festival. Yeah. Um, and I just sat down talking and judging and um, like somebody screamed, "This tastes like fucking butter!" And I'm like, "Beer tastes <laughs> like butter." <laughs> and and he goes, yeah. he goes, "Come here." And so I go over there. He's like, "Are you judging?" I'm like, "No, I'm part of the media. I'm just kind of." He's like, "Sniff this." It tastes like fucking pop. Like, it smells like popcorn. Oh, yeah. Like, I just went to the movie theater. <laughs> bad, and he yeah. goes, all right, go try it. And I'm like, I don't want to now. <laughs> <laughs> um, what have you guys, you know, wh- what are the, not odds, but, like, how often does stuff get infected well, when you're brewing? In... Like, for us personally? Yeah, like like for Midland. Like, uh, what are the... It's not too common. Uh, I do a pretty strict quality control. Okay. Um, so I do, and I do all the quality control myself because we're a small team, so I like to just do that so i'm nobody has to report to me i just have that personality exactly yeah so um and i you know i plate everything i do yeast counts vitality viability things like that um and i pretty strict on sensory stuff um so me and the other brewers you know do sensory pretty much every day um checking things you know looking for diacetyl or dms or whatever um and keeping on you know track can can you fight it if you track it before it like finishes the brew like can depends you... what it is okay depends what the problem is and a lot of that comes down to being able to identify so that's why i'm i try to get my own sensory you know because there, there can only be so much because obviously you want to put out the same quality in the same beer you don't want to right fix you know fix it and then it's a different beer and they're like well that's not the beer i brew right it's just so like you know, if you're still in fermentation and you taste diacetyl well the yeast will clean that up so let it keep going and it'll sort of fix itself but if you're mm-hmm. smelling you know baby vomit and you got butyric acid you're done 
don't even bother. Just get rid of it, hardcore clean that tank, and move on. So people listening to this as we're uh, finishing up, uh, because we're about to do uh, the next interview, Mm because we got interviews going on all day. (laughs) Um, So people are going to be listening to this. They're obviously, uh, you know, the goal is to get them to go to the Winter Festival. Sure. Um, You guys will probably be at the Winter Festival. But for this festival today, who are you excited to try? What's a brewer, a beer, something that you are excited to go? I tried... um, liquid note for the first time at the yipsy um fest i tried their i think it was a goza um and i just remember being phenomenal like it was so good from a small brewery that i had never heard of so i want to stop by and chat with that guy again um we're right next to i think it's called blackfire i've never heard of them so i don't know if they're a newer have you guys heard of them uh i mean uh, building the mibeermap.com map oh uh so I, <laughs> I, I, I I hear of them, but I couldn't okay. tell you. I couldn't tell you where they are. Cause yeah, so we're they're just a dot on the map right now. Sure. So we're right next to them. So and I always look for new places, places I haven't tried before. You know, just because I like to try what they have. You know, say hey, how's it going? Cool. You want to brew together sometime? Always up for it. You know, things like that. What about you? I for know me, I actually for. haven't gotten to look at the list of who's going to be there, but I definitely will be it's going really good to marketing. Baron. To see if they have any no rules flowing. Uh, I didn't no. check. I know their seltzers are here. They brought they two, different, different, two different clear codes. I, I guess I will be going to get some seltzer um, and no rules. Yeah, they uh, had they had uh, the seltzers at No Rules Day too because we we did a live show at No Rules yes, Day. Okay. Oh, cool. And That's I was sweet. I was crushing seltzer. <laughs> like I, low I, carb. Had, I had I, I had the no rules. Um, I had the beers at the. Um, I think they, were, they gave us like coffee in the morning too because this was we we oh drove out God. at like six a.m. Yeah, right. to get there. Jeez. Yeah, um, and we we set up shop. We did the show, uh, and then I was just pounding like clear coasts just to, <laughs> to, to have fun <laughs> for sure. Um, so Midland Brewing, MidlandBrewing dot com. You guys are on Facebook, Midland Brewing. Yep, the Midland Brewing Company. Instagram. Yep. Midland Brewing Company. All right. <laughs> Guys, thank you so much. We hope you have a great festival, and uh, we will definitely see you there. Thanks, thank you. guys. Appreciate it.